July 24, 1989, two mountaineers from Tokyo were climbing the Shidake Mountain near Hokkaido, Japan. Rescuers found them due to a large SOS sign near their location. Once interviewed, the two men had no knowledge of such a sign. The ensuing search is one of the most haunting mysteries in Japanese history. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruise Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the SOS Incident. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, chilly basement. Even though it's warm outside, it's cold as shit in this basement. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. It's kind of warm outside, but... Man, I get worse and worse with these openings. <laughs> the beauty of editing, nobody will ever know. <laughs> God. You will be hearing this a little late because the gremlins attacked the machine and my hard drive for the computer that we use to record on decided to go belly up. And I have spent a week trying to get it replaced and we lost, thank God we only lost two files, but one of them was our Patreon only episode so we will be hooking our patreon patrons up with some other exclusive recording i know it's kind of crazy it's like we've been putting it off we finally get it and we nailed it finally do some patreon exclusive stuff (laughs) lose it and lord said not not today (laughs) but anyway we are back up and running unfortunately we did lose that and then Due to some some flu sickness and some other sickness, we uh, didn't get to record, so we're a little Dude. behind schedule. All right, so we got a little some shout outs. Uh, first one is oh, not good. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, our Ani. How can a shout not, out not be good? <laughs> I can't do these names. It's all one word, so it's Ali. The word our. Ani with two eyes. So oh. Ali Awarani, she commented and said, "And you are the best in the biz when it comes to pronunciations." I am new to your podcast, and in one week, listened to thirty plus episodes. You guys, holy are, moly, that's awesome! You guys are hilarious. I don't, and I don't drink beer, but picked up some zero percent alcohol beer and drink it while i listen keep them coming guys great work was that on uh instagram that was on instagram Man, that is awesome yeah you cover that in- i don't i don't mess with the instagram i got the twitter and i got the facebook we share the facebook i do the twitter you do the instagram so that that's awesome it oh is, my man. god that's amazing thank you yes thank you i i responded on instagram and explained how humble we are and how great we uh, we appreciate those. I don't think if we do this podcast for another fifteen years, and we we gather a million listeners a week, I will still never believe it. I won't either. I, I agree. With I will you. never I believe that anybody actually. Not only it is the greatest joy in my life that people not only listen but actually enjoy what we have to say. What we have to say. And there's a growing number. I think we're up to about 30 people 
that I would classify as hardcore fans. Yeah, it's getting bigger. It that really like is. Like really li- like wait, not only wait for the episode to come out, but like upset at the fact that we didn't put out an episode this week. They're like fuck, that sucks, man. Like glad everybody. Yeah, the be- the first one was you know hard drives can be. Because yeah. they were expecting something bad that happened. Yeah, because you posted like a Grim Reaper. Yeah. And like, they're like, oh, the coach's coach fat ass is dead. <laughs> 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 he done got COVID twice now. <laughs> His poor liver. He stormed the Capitol. He got shot. <laughs> His poor liver couldn't take it no more. <laughs> <laughs> but, All right. Uh, patrons. Got, I know. Well, no, I'm going I'm to oh, jump yeah. in real quick. You got, I posted a thing today. today you got is, two good ones. Yeah, today is Tuesday, January 26th. And I posted just as a joke. I was like, a meme on Facebook that said, me watches a show called Unsolved Mysteries. Narrator, the case was never solved. And me, and it looks like she's shocked. And I put the audacity. And we had a Tammy D. Schmidt post, uh, you're better than unsolved mysteries. What you lack in stack, you per- persevere with beer. Okay, not only do I appreciate a rhyme, but but that is the best compared to Stack himself. So what you lack in stack, you persevere with beer. That is at probably the greatest compliment we'll ever get in our lives. Probably so. And it didn't come from a family member. No, no, no. Our family's just, fed yeah. up with this shit. My that. wife don't even listen. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think my wife does anymore either also from a response i got a, a personal letter from a jennifer clickenbeard who was the the first person to encourage us to do a patreon well i will say this she gave us some tough love and we've mentioned her before but she basically messaged us and said just do it quit yeah, talking like, about Look, it i'll just give you money it. if you just set it up all you have to do is click the button and i'll give you money and we were like okay <laughs> so that was our first yeah so she, we sent her because she was a she's a twenty dollar tier. We have two twenty dollar tier patrons, and we sent them a nice package for Christmas. But she sent us a letter that said, "Coach Arlo, thank you both so much for the wonderful gifts. I love the Bigfoot kit. You did a great job. I'm so happy for both of you and the Brew Wives for how well the podcast has been going. Keep up the fantastic work. Can't wait for the next episode. Best always, Jennifer." And that is amazing. Thank it you is. so much. It, And she sent it on a Dark Crystal card. And if you're not familiar with the Dark Crystal, I'm sorry, but... Look it up. You should definitely not be listening if you don't know what the Dark Crystal is when you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much. That is amazing. It's going right on the wall next to the map that we can't get to hang on the concrete. Yeah. We've got to, we've got <laughs> to probably Chuck put Paul. it... There's a spot that I'm eyeballing. We use we can use some thumbtacks over there in that corner. Well, maybe he's like, man, show me a picture of it hanging up in the. We can show you a picture of Todd laying on it. <laughs> it just won't stay up. All right, now so let's get into the case. No, hold on. No, yeah, patrons. What about the beer? Well, it's from Japan. But we're gonna. There ain't a couple of choices, but anyway, you think about the beer. <laughs> or you run upstairs and get us some. <laughs> Patrons, we racked up starting on January 14th. We had Miss Crystal Loving, Miss Tracy Bradley, the artist known as Kristen, Daniel Penn, Danielle Penn, I'm sorry, Danielle Penn, and Nicole Winningham. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is 
In the span of a week, we had five new patrons. That is amazing. Thank you so much. All right. I have not seen one single penny. He keeps saying that, but he'll get over it. <laughs> you keep saying that, but it just hasn't happened yet. Now, we will jump into the case. Well, just imagine that we're drinking some sort of Japanese beer. We're not, but just imagine it. We're not going to tell you what we are drinking. Because it is a Tuesday. We both have to work tomorrow. So it might have the word start and kick in it. Or full and throttle. <laughs> yeah. It might, but no, no. We're, we're totally drinking beer tonight. Yeah. Just whatever your favorite is, that's what we're drinking. Yeah, that's it. Whichever your favorite Japanese beer is, that's what we're having. Well, this is the second time we're recording this because A... You, I can't remember shit. You forgot to um, bring your uh, computer charger, and it died in the middle of it. And just honest to God, we It was were, a blessing. Well, yeah, it was, because <laughs> we were so excited that we were just discombobulated, man. We were all over the map in the first recording of this. So it's, it's actually a blessing in disguise that we're going to redo it. So here we go. It is Japan's mysterious SOS incident. Which, when I, I like, when we do cases, like, we've got the, I promise you, if you're just a casual true crime fan and you've heard of a case, I promise you it's on our list. We have every famous case known to man. We've done a bunch of famous cases. We're going to do a bunch of famous cases. But it's so um, it's so rare that we both come across something that neither one of us has heard of. And neither one of us has heard of this one. And that's why we got so excited. So on July 24th of 1989, two men go missing near the Asadaki. 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 Yes. In Hakido, Japan. Dang, you got that last second one, right? I'm good. A helicopter is dispatched to help locate the men. Well, here's what's saying. Here's uh, a very strange, just very, uh, a strange fact that is going to get lost once we're done is these two mountaineers are never going to be named publicly. They're just lost, which is fine. Because a helicopter is going to find them. And they... Like I said, the helicopter's dispatched to locate them, and so they're searching, and they can't they can't see anything. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of one of the rescuers' eye, he spots something. And it was a giant SOS sign measuring 18 meters wide, which is approximately 19.7 yards, by 5 meters tall, which is just over 5.5 yards tall. It was made from... And I quote, very precise cut birch trees. 19 to be to be exact. So that's in um, one thing we forgot to mention last time that I'm going to go ahead and mention now because I don't want to forget is birch is a hardwood that ain't easy to cut. Not by hand. Not really by a chainsaw either. You're going to no, take some time. It's, yeah, you're going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of energy if you're cutting that by hand. Yes. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, just keep that in mind. So they're going to find a gigantic, for all intents and purposes, a gigantic SOS sign on the ground in a very 
wide clearing on this mountain. And the sign was roughly four kilometers south of the summit of Mount Asadaki. Asadaki, good. Man, man, you are fucking killing it. Killing it. Now, this is in a place where few people ever go, and it's not on any trail. It is the northernmost. uh, uh, Hakuyado, Japan is the northernmost. Correct me if I'm wrong, people from Japan. It's the northernmost island in the archipelago of Japan. So that's it's not going to be like, it is not near Tokyo. No. It's out in the middle of nowhere, but still. So police are alerted by the helicopter, and they start searching the area. And about two to three kilometers north of the sign, the hikers are found and walk out of the wilderness on their own accord. They just walk out, and they're found. They're safe. Thank God. Thank God they made that SOS sign. That's right, man. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Deuces. Deuces. <laughs> so the Hakido police bring the hikers in, and they start talking to them, and they say, look, you know, if you hadn't made that sign, I don't know if we could have spotted yeah, you. They're like, guys, thank God that y'all had the wherewithal to make that sign, because we don't even know if we would have landed to help you guys. And they look at each other and go, uh, row raggy what sign? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? This is where the true mystery begins. When the police realize this, that the hikers are not pulling their leg or anything like that, they, they are truly bewildered at what this sign, they never saw it. So the authorities are like, oh crap, there's someone else out there that's missing. So they launch a second search the next day, July 25th. And in their search, they find a pile of human bones located roughly 10 to 30 meters near the SOS sign. Yeah, so like very close by, they're going to find a pile of bones, which is an odd thing anyway. It's not a shallow grave. It's not someone that had just been laying there and they're in a natural position. It is a pile. Which is interesting to note. Now, some of the bones had animal predation marks on them, and other bones appeared to be broken. One that was broken was a shoulder, and the other was the femur, and they are on opposite sides of the body. Uh, Correct. It's going to be the left shoulder is broken in two, and the right femur is broken in two. And it takes a lot to break the human uh, finger. Yeah, so essentially both of them are pretty, what I researched were clean breaks. So it would lead you to believe that even though there were gnaw marks on the bones themselves, that these breaks happened while there was happened, blood still flowing. Yeah, while the person was alive. Now, 50 meters north of the sign, Authorities also locate a hole near some tree roots. And this hole has been described as just big enough for a human to fit into. Probably if you had like slid down feet first and you basically were just had your head poking out or some, your shoulders were barely rubbing the hole. So think of it that way. Mm-hmm. So inside the hole, they find a backpack. And in the backpack, they discovered basic toiletries, a Sony tape recorder, and three cassette tapes. Uh, not only that, uh, I'm, it's not really that important. I just want to point out, too, that they're also going to find 
a driver's license, two cameras, a book, some toiletries, and then, of course, the tape recorder with three tapes. So the police send the bones to Asakawa Medical University, mm-hmm. and they surmise, the university does, that the bones are that of a woman with type O blood. And police are baffled because nothing in the backpack would tell of it belonging to a woman. And even more mysterious, the police start listening to the cassette tapes. And they discover well, that two of them were soundtracks to an anime show or a mo- anime movie titled Magical Princess Minky <laughs> Momo. Yeah, I, dude, I have watched every episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you go, the no. ta- that put the tapes being recorded between the years of 82 and 84. Correct. That is very good. That's a very good point. But what's going to be extremely odd by... Um, no stretch of the imagination is going to be the content of the third tape. It's going to be recorded over. Yes, it was yet another anime tape, but... It, it, yeah, originally it was an anime tape, but it was recorded over. And the recording itself is going to be what I consider extremely haunting. Because it is... I don't speak Japanese, but if I did, I would probably be scared, even even after I know what it says. So what we're going to do at this point is we're going to attempt to play the tape and let you hear it yourself in its entirety, and then we're going to come back and we're going to um, describe exactly what it, what it says. Okay, so that person is speaking very deliberately. And though 99.9% of our audience does not speak Japanese, the ones that do know that he was sounding out every syllable as he went. And he says, and I quote, I can't move on the cliff. SOS, help me. I can't move on the cliff. SOS, help me. The place is where I first met the helicopter. I can't go up deeply. Sasa, lift me up from here. And Sasa is, from what I researched, is a low-growing type of bamboo, almost like shrub hop. Mm -hmm. And basically, I think the Sasa is on, if you're looking at a picture of the map... The summit's on the north side, so it would be on the western, no, I'm sorry, on the eastern slope is where they assume he is talking. Mm-hmm. But again, we will post a picture on our social media of the, the map. Well, and there, you're going to, from what I, my research, you can find Sasa on several different places on the mountain itself. But he's on a cliff in one of the, this is, not the first of the mysterious happenings on this. A mystery about it 
he claims that he can't move from the cliff. Which would lead you to believe that he had, he can't go back off the cliff or he mm-hmm. is at the bottom of the cliff and injured. Well, I read it as that he's on an actual cliff and he can't escape it because he's hurt or he's whatever. But he's not, this tape recorder is not found on a cliff. No, it's found. It's found in a open field. In a hole. In, in a, a backpack. hole big enough to fit a human. What, was it, what did I say? 50 meters from the, S- yeah, 50 meters north of the SOS site. Yeah. In a hole just big enough to fit a human in a backpack, in a plastic bag, preserved. And it's clear to me, I think we can just, we can go ahead and settle it right now, that the way he's talking and what he is saying is an attempt for him to find help without using his voice. He yelled it one time on tape and he's going to try to replay it over and over again. Yes, and it would lead you to believe that he has exhausted his, he has the wherewithal to realize he's about to lose his voice or if he kept hollering, he would lose his voice. So he Mm -hmm. records this message and theories abound, but two of the more prominent ones was he could play it and save his voice and the other one is that he could play it while he slept. Which I well to me the second one kind of doesn't make sense. How are you going to sleep when you're going to be playing? And I don't see him playing it while he's asleep because to me that would waste the battery. Yeah, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Though if you know anything about Sony Walkman, it's not going to be. It's not going to be the loudest. No. But I, I guess he is thinking he's elevated. It's going to project out. Yeah. And so that, but again, who knows? So here we have, so this is what we've discovered. We have two men that were found unrelated to this. We have a giant SOS sign that had been in the area for, they did not know how long at the time. They just know that they never saw it before that day. And upon further inspection, they found uh, a pile of bones with a severe break in the right, was it the right, was the, is the left shoulder and a severe break in the right femur. And then north of it, they find a backpack full of various items, including three cassette tapes, one with a male voice asking for help. And the university had stated that the bones that were found were that of a female. Yes. They at the very they first claim that it is a female with a blood type of O. Now, while going through the backpack, Coach mentioned they discover a driver's license. It's been referred to as an ID card in some things, but basically it is an identification. Correct. And it belongs to a man who was twenty five years old. And the name that is out there is Kenji Iwamura. Kenji Iwamura. And so that is not his real name. Are you sure? Yes. I didn't see anything that said that. They said that he says not. Now, this is not his real name. And according to some other researchers, all reports about this name are redacting 
redacted in all public writings. Now, I did see that, that everything in the Japanese language itself had his name redacted. But the Associated Press printed an article with his name in it. Yeah, within a day of them finding the tape recorder, I believe. Correct. What is known is that he was an office worker in Conan City, Aiki. You did not get that right. Prefecture, <laughs> who disappeared in 1984. Correct. And like Coach stated, the name Kenji Omura is from an AP article around the time of the discovery of the backpack and the bones. Some writings translated state he was a graduate. 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 He was, a gra- in he was a graduate of <laughs> Kyoto Institute of Technology who loved train cars and vintage locomotives. He was at the mountain as a gift to himself for receiving a promotion at work. He had been staying at a nearby lodge and had told the lodge owner that he was going out for a quick hike. And this was right before dinner. So the owner of the lodge had reported that he never came back and he never checked out. His belongings were left behind, and he had mentioned that he was just going to the quick trail hike of the Asahadaki Mountain, and then he would be back for dinner. Mm -hmm. And in the Japanese culture, if you do not show up for dinner, that is a big snub. Yeah, it's like a horrible insult, and Japanese culture is so much about honor and so much about respect that you're just not on purpose not going to do that no you won't do that if he had ideas of just walking into the wilderness and never coming back he would not have said he was coming back for dinner he would have you know not dishonored himself that way no not at all yeah yeah it's more about not it's more about dishonoring himself than it is about insulting the 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 uh innkeeper or whatever now, on July 28, 1989, the evening edition of the Mankai Shimbun paper stated, and I quote, On the 28th, it was found that the letters SOS were reflected in the aerial photograph taken by the Forestry Agency and the Geospatial Information Authority of Japan on September 20, 1987, to yeah. create a map. Correct. This photo was taken from a point about 3,700 meters, or roughly 12,140 feet, above the SOS. In the photo, the width of the letters SOS is about 0.9 millimeters, or roughly four hundredths of an inch. Mm -hmm. The first S is a little unclear and difficult to understand, but the last S can be confirmed. It is barely noticeable in the photo, but it is clear to the naked eye. The agency and others take aerial photographs of the area every five years. Yeah, even with that photograph of uh, them doing a map survey, they the people that took that picture at the time didn't notice it, nor did anyone take the time to look. They only discover that after the fact. So we, we can confirm without a shadow of a doubt that the SOS sign had been there um, since 92087. It was not in the previous photo taken of the area in 1982. Correct. But it was not seen by any human eye until the day the two, the first two men, the, the, the second two men were lost in the woods. So that's a big what the fuck is like, 
how did nobody see this? It's a huge sign. Yeah. You're looking at 19 and a half yards or let's just say 20 yards by six yards. That's huge. Yeah. So the remains that we spoke about, they were re-examined by the medical university. Yeah. What we're saying, what everything's leading to believe is we find the license, the identification card of a male who's been missing in the exact time frame that this sign could have popped up. So the 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 hospital is going to reevaluate the bones, and surprisingly, they state that they had mistakenly identified the bones as a female with type O blood, but in fact, the bones were from a male with type A blood. Yeah. So everything's leading you to believe that Kenji Imura, Imuara, or whatever, had gotten lost. He made a tape, he buried it for whatever reason, and then he perished after he created a giant sign to try to help him. And authorities believe this and run with it and say the bones must be his. Mm-hmm. Case closed. Yeah, they, they closed the case. They say that it's got to be him. Yep. Done. We're, we're out. Thanks for listening. So, we'll see y'all later. So this SOS sign had been there at the very least two years, if not five. And within a week of the Japanese authorities finding the two missing hikers, they closed this case saying it's Kenji Imawar. But the Associated Press is going to reach out to his parents. And they're going to interview them. And the parents, in the biggest, the craziest, well, not even the craziest, but one of the biggest what-the-fuck moments of this case is the mom says the mom is going to say yes that's the stuff that was found was his it was his tape recorder it was his backpack it was his tapes it was his toiletries but the voice on the tape is not my son what that is insane because i promise you this Mama Coach knows. Mama Coach knows her son's voice, and she would know if if her son was in distress. And for her to say on record that that's not my son, we I have no reason to disbelieve to disbelieve her. So what the who the fuck was it? That's the million dollar question. Who's on that tape asking for help? And where were they, first of all? But another, another huge what the fuck is we have, the only remnants we have is a body with a broken shoulder and a broken femur. But we have a giant SOS sign of pristinely cut birch trees 19 19 that were confirmed to be removed from an area at least 130 yards from where the signs at from where the sign is so whomever cut the sign had to drag had not poles <laughs> 19 birch trees 130 yards. Not one. Not, not two. 
19. 19. That is not an easy feat. No. Especially any if stretch you are of the imagination. suffering from a broken shoulder and or a broken femur. If you have a broken shoulder and or a broken femur, especially if you have both. You're not dragging. You up. cannot physically do this. No. You can't. Now, law enforcement believe that Iwamura hiked up the mountain via the ropeway along the ridgeway. There are two landmarks that denote when you cross over that ridge line. Yeah, it's it's um there's two pretty much square looking boulders. Square looking boulders. One's called the safe rock. And ga- wait for the second one. It's called the fake the safe, safe rock. rock. <laughs> the fake safe rock comes first. And you're supposed to take a right at the safe rock. If you do at the correct safe rock, you're just going to go right back to civilization. But if you take the fake safe rock, which it is confirmed that the two hike, the two missing hikers to begin with made the mistake, made that mistake. And then the person, the pile of bones had to make that mistake as well. You end up going down a gorge and you, Descend and you descend and you descend, and then you end up in a clearing. But once you're in that clearing, if you follow the river, well, it leads that clearing leads into a marshy area, which is correct. right near yeah, the well, river. That's, yeah, that's true. If you find the river and you follow the river, you are nine miles away from civilization. And some of you may be thinking, that's a long way to walk. It is a long way to walk. Nine but, miles is not a joke. But keep in mind, he decided not to walk the river, but he decided to chop down 19 birch trees and drag them roughly 110, 130 yards, 130 yards. to a clearing to spell out SOS. Mm-hmm. The amount of exertion to make the SOS would have been less than if he had just followed the river. Correct. And I don't... Like, I've always heard that the the number one rule if you get lost in the woods is to hunker down. Hunker down, and hopefully you'll be found. Okay? But in this case... Well, I know where you're going, and I think if you're in a remote area, you just got turned around, every tree looks the same, that's the best thing to do. But he's not in a remote area. Right. In this situation, he is... He probably can hear the river from the marsh. Mm-hmm. And so the second rule of thumb is if you find water, follow it downstream because it will eventually lead you to either civilization or something that can help you. But like, yeah, I mean, like we're talking about, if you have the energy to do what he did with the SOS sign, you have the energy to walk uphill back where you came from, back into civilization. Not only, not only, not only that. I mean, you definitely have the the energy to walk downhill. Yes, you basically just lean forward and let gravity do the work. And I, this is just coincidence, but I watched this eh, okay movie called Bone Tomahawk with uh, Kurt never, Russell. Never heard of it. I do love Kurt Russell. It's a western, so it's it's good if you like westerns. But anyway, in that movie. This guy has a busted up leg, and so he sends the other three in the party on ahead, and they leave basically rocks telling them which mm-hmm. way to go. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he makes it 
a very long way with a busted chin and ankle. I'm not saying that that is anywhere remotely close to having a broken femur. I know it's not. But in the situation where it's it's the old shit or get off the pot, either I stay here and I die or I die trying to find civilization. Well, even even so, yeah, they're hurt and they have a broken femur, broken shoulder, but they didn't make that sign. No. Until I, until they didn't get hurt until after they made that sign. There's no way they physically made that sign with those injuries. So we're talking a person that chose to put forth all that effort rather than just go back the way they came. How do you not just go back the way you came? And the sad thing is, I can't remember the lady's name, but there's a lady that got lost on the Appalachian Trail that hunkered down 37 days, 27, 37 days, starved to death because she hunkered down. And she was less than a mile away from the, the Appalachian Trail and she could have been found. She got found in Maine. Inchworm was her trail name because she was so slow. And then, like, one of the greatest adventurer stories. I don't care who you are or how foolish you think this person was because he was foolish, but still, if you have wanderlust, Christopher McCandless is the story you, you latch on to. He, he went into the Alaskan wilderness in the dead of winter, tried to come out in the spring, and when he tried to cross the same creek, it wasn't a creek anymore, it was a river. And he just went back to the bus and hung out until he starved to death. He could have went three quarters of a mile north and it would turned into tributaries and he could have waded across or he could have went a half a mile south and there was an actual hand-to-hand -hand cart that he could have pulled himself across and saved himself. But he chose to go back and hunker down. I'm not recommending anybody that gets lost in the woods. I'm not recommending anything, but man, I've heard some bad stories about you hunkering down and just waiting. Yeah. So let's go back to the recording for just a little bit. If Iwamura is not the voice on the recording, which we know he's not because his mother said so, did he meet someone on his hike and that is who is on the recording? According to the autopsy and the analysis of the scars, the forensic doctor stated that Iwamura's body was, quote, thin and weak with underdeveloped muscle tissue. Judging by his size, cutting, processing, and dragging less than eight trees would be the limit of physical strength of that body. Mm -hmm. Now, like we said, keep in mind, birch trees are a hardwood, which would make, them, make cutting them dragging them, and skinning the bark off much, much more difficult. Now, the injuries to the skeleton indicated a broken femur and a fractured left shoulder, or right shoulder, I'm sorry. If you buy that he did this by himself, you have to ask yourself, A, how did he do this with a broken femur and a shattered shoulder? Or B, and or B, where did he get the cutting implement? Because no cutting implement was ever found. Yeah, that's going to be a that was going to be my big, huge reveal at the end, but you just spoiled it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, nineteen pristinely cut birch trees. 
if he's not by himself, they are not going to find a cutting tool whatsoever. There is not an axe. There's not a knife. There's not a handsaw. There's not a chainsaw. There is nothing. nothing. So people latch on to, well, he must have stumbled across someone else. Well, if he did, where are they at? Because no one else has been reported missing and no other remains have been found. Now, if you go back to that same newspaper article on July 28th of 1989, it's the Mainchi Shimbun Evening Edition states, and I quote, I know I'm killing it. <laughs> this has to be right. There's no way. There's no right. way that's not right. Quote, search discontinued around SOS. In the case where the wooden characters and human bones of SOS were found in the marshland south of Mount Ashitaraki, there is no criminality from the situation at the site. Site search stopped unless new influential information came out. The office has asked Asakakawa Medical University to appraise the 30 human bones and hair found in the search. The office wants to consider the search again when new facts are revealed. People have theorized that the man made the recording, like we said, to preserve his voice or call it night. I think that is I think that is the only definitive thing we can answer is that's why he made that recording but, is to save his voice. But, I think that's not I don't think that's in question. Mm -mm. But people from Japan have noted that there is almost no background noise on the recording. Yeah, that that Yeah, if you notice once you listen it's fairly quiet. Yeah, you would think someone hollering and calling from a cliff, you could hear the wind, the echoes, or even a helicopter that the man referred to in the recording. Mm -hmm. But you can't hear any of that. And according to the police, they did dispatch a helicopter in 1984 to look for Iwamura, but returned without any signs of him. Correct. Okay, so let's give a broad recap before we get into like anything so i promise anyone that listens to this is going to have so many questions that we don't even cover because there's just so this is like what in the hell so essentially we have just to read just general recap we have two unidentified men that go missing in the northernmost part of japan they're going to be found because of a giant SOS sign made of birch trees that may or may not have been made by someone with severe injuries and without a cutting tool. They're going to do another search, find a pile of bones belonging to a man or a woman that had a broken femur and a broken shoulder. They're going to find a missing hiker's backpack and they're going to find a tape recording of a different person inside that backpack. What? <laughs> and the bad thing is, there's nothing out there. I couldn't even find the original AP article. There's probably more articles in Japan or for someone that can read Japanese. But we are going on limited, limited information. Like? Like a page and a half of notes is all I have. This is insane. Like it, it, it is is definitely one of the hallmarks of what makes 
the cases we choose really good because you get you can probably you can solve 85% of this several different ways but each but each solution leads you to more questions each solution is like not only leads you to a dead end but leads you to an unanswerable question okay well Kenji Aramura did it no he just got lost okay well where's the axe how did he move the trees because the autopsy said he couldn't move more than eight yeah okay how about well so and so just got stuck what helicopter is he talking about what cliff was he stuck on how did he get off of it where did he bear why did why did he bury the book back and take the time to put it in plastic so it was preserved okay who piled up the bones? Yeah, because you're not going to find many predators that make a nice, neat little pile. Yeah, the bones were in a pile, confirmed by AP. Like, And AP basically is the one that ran with the story when it first broke, and that's it. I mean, they never followed up. They, in as, far, my, as far as English. Is, yeah, English is. And the, my question, the Associated I guess, Press put out a few articles, and that's it, and they dropped it. The, the Japanese police are going to close the case within a week of finding the two first missing hikers. And my question for our Japanese listeners would be, they preserved, well, it said they preserved hair and they had the bones. So I'm sure there's some type of DNA that could have been run. You would think they would have cross-referenced it with the parents to make sure the bones were Iwamura's. Well, maybe not then, but certainly now. That's what I'm saying now, years later. Especially, it doesn't get a lot. I mean, there's a couple of YouTube videos out there that you can watch. And the YouTube video that we post is the main one that we used as our information. But there's just, there's nothing. I mean, it's, it's just a dead end. And it's almost like police were, like we were talking about police in the States. They were like, no, nope, here it is. Case closed. It really does seem that the, the Japanese police just wanted to close this case as, as quickly as possible. And though we are always super critical of American police, we can't be critical of Japanese police because we don't speak Japanese. Right. So we don't know. We certainly can't figure out all the information they know. But. From what we do know about the uh, Satagaye murders, when there were hundreds of detectives on that case, that for the Japanese authorities to close the case within a week, they probably know something we don't. A lot that we don't. So there's a good chance that it is Iwamura family. And it's a good chance that there's some extenuating circumstances that we're just not privy to because we don't have access to the Japanese media. So our theories, and we've kind of danced around all of them, I will go first and say that it's probably probably him, but how? How did he, if he didn't make the sign, who made the sign? If he did make the sign, how did he make the sign? Did he injure himself at the end? I know that we've stated that he couldn't move more than eight or nine trees, but if if he was long, if he was lost for a say a week, and he moved, say he moved six a day, mm-hmm. that's four days to get it. So the if the body found made the sign, they made the sign before they were injured. Had to. There is 
absolutely positively no way in three hells <laughs> that you make that you do what is required to make that sign with either with either one of those injuries much less both of right. them you right. just can't do no it. even if you did make that before you got stuck before you made the tape before you got injured where's the axe and my question is that is the biggest question is are where's you, the cutting tool? Are you that disoriented that you don't try to make it back to the mountain somehow to follow the trail out or follow the river out if you are not injured before you make the sign? I mean, it's not that strenuous of a walk. No, the way it was uh, described by the, they call it a hostel in the States, but basically it's just a little bed and breakfast the way it's described is people stay there all the time and they'll go out and make that little loop mm -hmm. you know within an hour and mm -hmm. it's just a it's just a little nature walk basically even even if you do take a right at the fake safe rock you're still just going downhill you have from all my research it says you only have one option and that's to go continue going downhill towards the river which that's fine but even so, cutting that many trees and creating that sign, I'm pretty much certain that just turning around and going back the way you came would have been easier. Yes, I agree. Makes no sense what occurred on this mountain. So, recommendations? I'll go first since I just <laughs> sprung that on you. I'm going to recommend, since I referenced it, that if you like westerns and you like Kurt Russell, watch Bone Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Hawk. Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. It is a little slow. It is extremely odd. But it is a decent little movie. Okay. I'm going to recommend Barely Sociable YouTube page, which is the YouTube page that did a video on this and that's where i found it that's what i sent you that's what blew me away was that i couldn't believe it i was like this is insane and i promise you i'm gonna applaud both of us we did such a good job such a better job today than we did on sunday because there's nothing out there yeah we were just excited and like fucking puppy dogs man we were so what the fuck's going on but yeah, I'm going to recommend Barely Sociable. Look up this video, especially on the SOS Incident, what it's called. It's fucking crazy. So, a while back, I sent you a text to say, hey man, we got, I got a couple top five things I'm going to talk about. Did you do those? Probably not, but I'll, I'll wing it. Let's oh go. my God, he's going to wing it, folks. I didn't wing it. I know you did. This was heartfelt thoughts. I want to do top five movie scenes. That just really affected you. Okay. Maybe not. It could be calm. I mean, it could be anything. But just that stick out to you is going, man, that is damn good right there. Number five for me. All right. Rocky, the speech when he's talking to his son. Oh, uh, Rocky Balboa, part six. That's a really good one. I play that for my son when he's had some bad days and stuff. And I'm like, I make him listen to it with me in there. And every time I play it, with him in the room, I tear up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's, I, I, I like that. But again, it could be any reason. That's a really good reason. 
that's a, a motivational thing. But, you know, mine don't have that. Uh, my number five is going to be Shawshank Redemption. The moment the warden throws the rock through the poster. When he's trying to figure out where the hell Andy Dufresne is. And he's just like, and that little cupcake on the wall. And he throws it and just, and you hear it echo. And just that, this is my favorite movie of all time. It's not my, you know, my scenes or whatever, but, you know. But when he reaches through and he's just, his face is just, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Andy Dufresne walked, crawled. Yeah. Oh, shit, smelling foulness. I can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a lesser known scene in the movie, but I find it quite hilarious and poignant because I've been on both sides of this. In Tombstone, when he lets Ike and that other idiot out of jail. And he says, sorry, son. And the kid turns around and pops off at him. Ain't your damn son. And he brains him. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love that scene. That entire movie. We're gonna, It's going to come up in another episode of the top five movie lines. Yeah. <laughs> that entire movie is amazing as far as quotes goes. Yes. He that, said, I ain't your son. I ain't your kid. You can take sorry and shove it up your ass. And he just brains his ass. Pops him with the, I've been on both sides. I've been I've been the dumbass young yeah. kid that says, take it, sorry, and shove it up your ass. And then I've been the old man that was like, I'm going to knock the shit out of yeah. you. <laughs> so this one has a word in it that I can't use. The GD? No. Because I'm not. I am nowhere near a racist, and I Uh-oh. would never be a racist, and I'm not going to use the N-word ever. But Lean On Me, the movie Lean On Me with Morgan Freeman, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he played a character named Benson in a in a uh, TV show. They're in a courtroom. Man, that scene where he's like, you will, he said, you will write a formal apology. He's like, a what? A formal apology. He said, you will bow down, you will. Step and fetch. He said, because contrary to popular belief, I'm the head in charge. <laughs> yeah. That is a good movie. And he, he storms out and he stops right at the door and he turns around and he goes, oh, come on, let's go get something to eat. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> he goes, Morgan Freeman's like, I think you bad. <laughs> I want, when any time that movie is on, I will rewind that scene no less than 14 times. That's my minimum, 14 times. Because contrary to popular belief, I am. All right, my number three would be the movie Stand and Deliver. And he's in the, it's when he's before the, I guess, the school board. And and they basically tell him, you kids are going to take this over again. And Edward James almost. I reached these kids. Edward James almost (laughs) looks at him and said, one day I will see you on the street. And I will kick the shit out of you. <laughs> That's I, that, I don't like that movie, but I do like that scene. It's getting tough, man. I'm going to go with number three is the movie Network. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, who's it's in it? 1970. This no, guy, probably not. Man. Oh, man. It's got uh, Ned Beatty in it. It's got Faye Dunaway in it. It is amazing. And it's, uh, there's a character named Howard Beale. Apparently, not apparently, but everything he says in that movie is amazing. He's not in it long, 
he's like 20 minutes 30 minutes of the whole movie and the the guy who played him peter finch was nominated for an oscar had a heart attack and died before uh the oscars came out and he actually won it posthumously he's the first person to win it posthumously but the scene where he's talking about i'm mad as hell and i'm not gonna take it anymore oh gives me cold chills every time i see it i bought the i bought the dvd just for that scene is amazing so my number two is young guns Two. Oh, love that movie gotta love that movie and it's the 25 second piece where he goes hello bob best dollar 80 oh, i ever spent <laughs> i love it <laughs> i listened to a thing i would love to give him credit but i can't think of it a podcast about brushy bill saying how it you know Brushy Bill Roberts was actually Billy the Kid, and I promise you, 100%. The opening to that movie, when he sits in on that uh, sand, mm-hmm. and that car goes by, I was in the theaters when it first came out, and I was like, in the moments of the whole theater, I was like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> like, I 100% believe Brushy Bill Roberts was Billy the oh, Kid. Oh, I do too. My mom he cut survived. that article, original article out and has it. When he first started his uh, his tale. So you're number two. Was that number two or was that number three? No, it's your number. number. That was my number two. Oh, okay. My number two is one of the weirdest movies ever as far as how great the first half is compared to how bad the second half is. What am I talking about? Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> everybody says it, you man. You are 100% right. I tell everybody, that's two movies in one. That is unedited, 100% correct. I <laughs> did not tell you that. But as soon you as you said this, the back end's awful, I knew exactly. It's not that it's terrible. It just don't make no damn sense. It's not that it's terrible. It's just the first half is so much better. that It's just, it's two movies. Yes, it's two movies. I agree. And the part, it just, I don't know. I can't even explain to you why. It's so good to me, but the the scene where he's like, I want you two cocksuckers to clean the head. I want it so clean the Virgin Mary be honored to go in there and take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you do believe in the Virgin Mary, don't you, Private Joker? And he's like, sir, no, sir. And he's like, he throws the trash can. What? Like, what? <laughs> and he's trying to explain himself, and finally he's like, sir. Uh, the private believes any any answer he gives will be wrong, and the senior drill instructor will beat him harder if he reverses himself. I have no idea why, but that line is amazing to me. It's a great piece of cinema, but because he's just like, that's the only answer you can give if you're disagreeing with your drill sergeant. No, you're, <laughs> sir. The private believes any answer he gives will be wrong. <laughs> so that's my number two. So my, and this is not really, since I'm doing it off the cuff, you know, it's probably not my real number one, but it is still a good. I think you're going to agree with my number one is just, my number one is just a phenomenal movie scene. You're probably right, but I'm going to go with We Were Soldiers. I've never seen it. Never seen it. Oh man, it's good. And it is where Lieutenant Colonel Moore and Sergeant Plumley were in the, this is before they ship off. Mm-hmm. And one of the other officers 
says, nice day we're having, Sergeant Major. And Sam Elliott turns around and goes, what are you? Some kind of fucking weatherman. <laughs> Pretty much anything Sam Elliott says is a good. Yeah. Is it's gonna be good. But it's a it's a basically it's not just one scene, it's it's a composite of scenes. They he sees uh Sam Elliott's character a couple of times and the first time was, you know, great weather, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And every time, you know, he's got these one liners that just dress his ass down right there in the front. Mm-hmm. So but yeah. Since I was off the cuff, that's what I come to me. So I'm sure there's a hundred more out there that people are like, You dumbass which yeah, I am, I forgot. So I'll take the criticism. Um, Go ahead, you're number one. Though I am a fan of several westerns, I'm not a western fan. I love Young Guns. I love Tombstone. But the movie Unforgiven yes. is amazing. And the scene in particular I'm talking about, if you've not seen the movie, you got to watch it. It's worth it for the, watch the entire boring ass movie. <laughs> the last 30 minutes. All the way, yeah, to the last 30 minutes. Because there's a, there's a character, and if you don't know, there's a character from England who is researching the Wild West. He wants to write a book. He's not a very, he's not a big character in the, in the movie, but he wants to write a book about a real Wild West adventure and a real Wild West outlaw or whatever. And Clint Eastwood, at the end of the movie, comes in, and he doesn't even say anything. But when he walks in with that shotgun, the double barrel shotgun, and that guy from England stands up because you can just see in his eyes, he knows of all the things he's seen in the Wild West, he finally saw what he's coming. He, he came to see. And he's just like, who owns this show? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I do. I bought it from Greeley for $1,000. Just slowly points the gun at him and blows his brains out. And Gene Hackman is like, you cowardly son of a bitch. You just shot an unarmed man. And he's like, well, he should arm himself. Yep, that's the thing. That's a great line. If he gonna decorate his saloon with my friends. Oh, promise you, when that movie's on, if I see it coming on AMC, I'll record it. What's funny is I love... And I won't watch the movie. When he's out there and he's sober and he's trying to yeah. shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can't shoot because, yeah, he... Basically, he was an asshole. He was the biggest outlaw in the history of the West but because he was just a mean drunk. Yep, he pretty much. He can't shoot worth the shit when he's Unless sober. He's and that's like in Highwaymen. I don't know if you've seen Highwaymen. I haven't. It's good. Because it tells the other side of Bonnie and Clyde, because Bonnie and Clyde had been romanticized for years. And this, yeah. I really, I've watched it a couple of times. And you pick up, you know, you know how you pick up different things when you yeah. watch a movie over and over. But he's trying to, he was, you know, hell, he was a Texas Ranger. So he, mm-hmm. these three farm boys are out there putting up a fence. And he's like, I'll give you a nickel for every one I hit. Okay. So he goes out there with a bottle of, a bag of bottles and throws them up. And he's trying to shoot the bottles out of the air with a pistol. And he's taking shit. <laughs> But it's like just something when when something stirs my emotions, I really just latch on to it and just you can just see. I don't know the name of the the man who played that character. I don't I can't even tell you another thing he was in other than some shitty Nicolas Cage movie. But I promise you. It stirred my emotions when he stands up and you see in his eyes, he's like. This is it, yeah. Like, 
So what was your other top five? We'll do it next time. Oh, okay. So it's I have top five movie lines. Oh, movie lines. You might have to text me. Yeah. All right, ladies five and gentlemen. movie lines. So that's going to be like the classics, you know, Big Lebowski, Tombstone stuff. Yeah. So hang in there. We're coming back. <laughs> well, you got anything else? No, man. I think we did much better today than we did before. So I'm going to go ahead and say, give the thumbs up. Give a thumbs up, man. Let's do the, let's do the thing. All right. Traces. Traces and, uh, well... <laughs> Deuces. <laughs>